Welcome to the podcast series on the art of mentoring. Well, you will learn how to be a great mentor. This podcast is funded by the National Science Foundation to support mentoring visually impaired middle and high school students in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, also known as STEM. In this podcast, your guides will be me, Dr. Laura Lunsford, a mentoring scholar at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and me, Megan Barr, a senior in business management with a human resource concentration at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington. Let's get started. Well, this podcast is about ethics for mentoring and ethics in science. Ethics is not usually a topic people think about when thinking about mentoring. Yes, but it's important. For example, what if your mentee keeps asking you a lot of questions and gets upset if you don't give them the answer? Or maybe you feel it is the right thing to do and make sure you correctly answer their questions. But is it? Well, what do you think of when you first hear the term ethics? I first think of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would do. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I also think of growing up and having the Girl Scout law and my sorority's um, golden rule. Well, I think of the golden rule also, and I'm in Rotary International. They have a four-way test. I also think of the Hippocratic Oath. First of all, do no harm. And really, ethics refers to norms or accepted rules that help us understand acceptable and unacceptable behavior. It's a code of conduct, if you will. And most people want to behave ethically, and it's fairly simple for most people to choose between right and wrong. The harder choice is when you have to choose between two right answers, and this is when ethics helps us the most. I understand what you mean, but if a mentee tells you he made up his answers, um, and that is, tells you he made up his responses, then it's easy to help the mentee understand that falsifying data or making things up is wrong. On the other hand, if the mentee tells me that he made up his data because he was afraid of not pleasing his teacher at school and that he might get thrown out of a special program, it suddenly becomes a harder choice. It is right to help him understand you can't make up data, but it is also right to be worried about getting kicked out of a special program if the teacher has unreasonable expectations. Yes, and in this particular mentoring program, maybe the mentee is struggling to get the right answer and is afraid she will be kicked out if she doesn't do well on every lesson. And as a result, she makes up some data. And is it right to let it go? Or is it right to tell the program director? Or is it right to talk about it with the mentee? Hmm. As I imagine real situations, it does seem harder than I thought. I think this is where ethics and ethical reasoning can really help us. And like all professional relationships, mentoring, too, is guided by a set of ethical principles. And in this podcast, we're going to learn five of them. I remember learning these in class. It was helpful to use a memory technique called mnemonics and make up a phrase. Yes, I remember, too. Um, if you visualize Facebook and think of it being January, you can remember FB Jan, Facebook Jan. The letters stand for... Fidelity, beneficence, justice, autonomy, and non-malfeasance. Those are a lot of big words, so let's talk about each one in turn. Fidelity focuses on keeping confidences and conversations between you and your mentee. Your mentee might be struggling in different situations, such as in school or with friends, 
And you may be the one they feel most comfortable confiding in and going to for advice. And this is a great thing. It also means that he or she will trust you and, and may even take some of your advice. It also means that you need to be respectful of their trust and let him or her know when you can and can't keep it to yourself. Most conversations you can treat privately, but there are legal obligations to report certain private conversations, such as reporting sexual harassment, or if the mentee tells you about plans to hurt him or herself. In those cases, you absolutely have an obligation to report that information to the project director and it's not private, and so fidelity means helping the mentees understand that. Megan, why don't you tell us about the B in Facebook? Beneficence refers to promoting well-being. As a mentor, it's important to take into consideration the well-being of your mentee and support their goals. Dr. Al, can you think of any ideas that would support beneficence and mentoring? Well, yes, uh, the idea here is we have a duty to make it better for the person because we're in a relationship than if we weren't together. Positive reinforcements do make a positive relationship and helps the overall well-being of everyone. Building a relationship for your mentee to talk to other professionals will help develop him or her for their future opportunities. I think that's a good example. So part of beneficence really is focused on is the person better off because they're in that relationship with you and you too want to feel that you're giving back in a sense of legacy? Well, let's talk about the J in Facebook Jan. Justice is fairness and opportunity. It's important to remember that every mentee deserves an equal chance to be able to reach their full potential. And we want to keep in mind that this mentoring program is for visually impaired students. So it's important to not assume that they can't do something because they're visually impaired. There are different levels of visual impairment. The best practice is to ask rather than assume and keep an opportunity from them. A good example is if you have an idea of how the mentee might accomplish one of their project-based learning activities or interviews, but you don't mention it because you think he or she can't do it. That would be violating the ethical principle of justice. Yes, and accommodations might be possible. So the lesson here is always ask, don't assume. What is the A in Facebook Jan? Autonomy is the, rep the responsibility to encourage independence as you engage with your mentee. At the beginning especially, mentees may need guidance when navigating career paths, understanding different occupations, and building their skill to set, set to complete the project-based learning activities. It is up to you as the mentor to develop a relationship that is encouraging and guiding, but also gives the mentee the opportunity to problem solve and pave their own path. As I think about ethical mentoring and autonomy, it seems it might be hard to support the mentee to do their own work. It is faster to supply an answer if a person is struggling, but then you did the work, not the mentee. For high school mentees, it might be that you connect with them you connect them with professionals and professors in the field of their interest for informational interviews or asking if they need help or have any questions. A mentor is there to consult and guide. One way to do that is to be sure to help mentees think of previous lessons or experiences and ask questions about how that might help him or her in their current situation. The goal is to ask good questions to get the mentee thinking for him or herself. That's right. Mentors really become skilled in asking questions that promote thought and not just answering questions all the time. 
I mean, what if your mentee, say Cameron, asked you to do step three of their project because it's really hard? As a listener, why don't you pause the podcast and think about what your response would be? Well, welcome back. Hopefully, you had some answers that responded in in ways of questions like these. Hey, Cameron, what's your biggest problem? Or Cameron, what resources do you have to try something new? Or what have you done in the past that might apply to this task you're trying to do? Finally, what is the N in Facebook Jam? N stands for non-malfeasance, which is a big word for saying, do no harm. It's not the same as beneficence. For example, you could have an average relationship, there's no well-being necessarily, but you aren't doing harm. In other relationships, you don't want the person feeling worse off because of their mentoring relationship with you. For example, if you're giving a lot of feedback that seems critical and the person's feeling really bad about that or or down on themselves, then maybe we need to really think about non-malfeasance. Okay, I get it. If I missed meetings and had to reschedule a lot, it might make my mentee wonder if I cared about him or her, or if a mentor is unprepared or distracted. Saying things like, you don't seem to get it, or are you sure you want to be in STEM, would be an example of possibly resulting in harm. Yeah, those are good examples. Facebook Jan is a good way to remember five ethical principles for mentoring relationships. And I would encourage the listener to really think about that and how these might play out in actual situations that you would have. In the same way, there's also ethics and science. And each discipline, like chemistry or astronomy or my own discipline, psychology, yours, human resources, they all have ethical codes. The university has a code of conduct, and most employers have handbooks and codes of professional conduct. The main idea is to be aware of ethics in your own discipline and and make sure you share from time to time with your mentee about ethics, about the profession, and your conversations. For example, you might look for good examples of ethical behavior and praise it. Do you mean a mentor might recognize the hard work of a mentee on a lesson by saying, you worked hard and discovered these answers for yourself? Making sure you do that hard work is part of an ethical responsibility for a scientist in training. Yeah, that would be a great way to connect that. And in fact, if you're unaware of your institution or profession's ethics, now is a good time to look them up online and share some about these ethics with your mentee from time to time. I mean, just as we have a code of conduct in mentoring, there is a code of conduct in STEM. And there are professional behavior that we really want to help teach this new generation of scientists. There's four reasons people suggest we have this code, and the four reasons are collaboration, accountability, public trust, and truth. An acronym for that would be CAPTAIN, C-A-P-T. The C stands for collaboration. A lot of work in STEM is done by teams. Thus, it is important to share credit with others when it is due and to support the work of others. Thus, there are guidelines and ethics around data sharing and writing so that people don't take credit for your work or vice versa. Recognizing the work of others in your conversation with mentees will help them learn about the importance of collaboration. A refers to accountability, and that means that you're responsible for the outcomes of your work. 
That is why there are research review boards and ways to protect people who participate in research studies. In these mentoring relationships, the work is really focused around scientific projects, and they don't involve human subjects, and also around interviews of industry experts. But there is some peer review and accountability built into this mentoring program because the mentees are going to be presenting their work to mentors. And this level of accountability is important. Public trust is the third letter in CAPTAIN. Research often results in advances that improve or enhance our lives. And in the United States, taxpayers, organizations, and corporations fund a lot of research. Thus, it is important that the public feels they can trust the work because people are telling the truth and have worked hard to be accountable and collaborative. Lastly, the T is truth, and it's about making sure what you do is the truth and that you don't make up data or answers or cheat or support people who do that. There are ethics about this scientific research that really promote us seeking the truth and avoiding error. And that's why cheating and falsifying data is prohibited because then public begins to lose trust, there's problems with accountability, and people don't want to collaborate. Mentees will be new to thinking about ethics. So what do you suggest to help them learn about these ethical principles? Well, first and foremost, you can think about how you might support and be a role model for ethical principles and mentoring. What are they again, Megan? FB Jan, fidelity, beneficence, justice, autonomy, and non-malfeasance. And secondly, you might review ethics in your organization and profession, and be sure to share the importance of ethics in your conversations with mentees when it makes sense to do so. You might praise a mentee when he or she conducts himself in such a way that highlights ethical principles like collaboration or accountability, and you might share examples from your own experiences and make sure you know ethical decisions you have had to make. Wow, there's a lot to think about to behave ethically in mentoring and in the STEM field. In this podcast, we reviewed the importance of abiding by five ethical principles for mentoring. A good way to remember them is the mentor aid FB Jan for Facebook in January. It does seem like a lot. However, if you spend some time thinking now about these ethics, and having a framework, then it's a lot easier to support your mentee well when you have some dilemmas and choices between right and right choices. You can also role model how to transmit these ethics to a new generation of scientists. And in this podcast, we've covered five ethical principles of mentoring and four reasons it's really important to adhere to ethics in science. Our acronym, our mnemonic for that was CAPTAIN, C-A-P-T, which stood for collaboration, accountability, public trust, and truth. Well, thank you for listening. We hope you understand more about ethics and ethical reasoning and mentoring in STEM and hope you'll take some time to work on the worksheet to check your learning.